Now turn with me again to Matthew 6, verse 33, 34. <clears throat> this whole section from verse 24, uh, it does deserve our closest attention. We looked at it last Sabbath day. And here are golden rules to help us avoid worry and anxiety in life. We live in an anxious age. There are many of God's people and they're pressed down with the burdens and with the cares of life. And in closing out 2022 and starting out the new year, God willing, 2023, we need to be wary of the trap, I believe, that has ensnared many of being over-anxious about the material uh, affairs of this world. So just to review, verse 25, the Saviour taught us just how needless such worry really was. If God has given us the basic essentials in life, so the logic and the argument goes, will the Lord Jesus not provide us to the finish of life? If he has started us, will he not finish us? Of course he will. So such needless worry, it's uncalled for. Verse 26, how senseless it all is. If the Lord Jesus looks after the fowls, will he not look after his own followers? Verse 27, it, we're, we're taught here how useless it is to worry about such things, about your height, for example, because no amount of worry will make you, will make you grow even one centimetre taller, no matter how much you, you worry about it. And then verse 28, 30, <coughs> worry is exposed as being faithless. Because we're, we're, we're questioning the goodness of God. We're, we're questioning the care of the Almighty. Would we dare today come into his presence and question, would he provide for us? And then verse 31, 32, the Saviour taught us just how pointless it all is because we're his children. We're his children and he already knows everything that you and I have need of. There's not a thing that you need today that he doesn't know about. And you can make out all of those lists, all the things that you need, but he's already the list made out. And he knows exactly what you need. So verse 33, 34 is the contrast as we come to the end. Sometimes at the end of a sermon, or, the, or part of a sermon, it's good as the conclusion to give a contrast. So rather than worrying, Jesus said, like the pagan Gentile people do, about all of these matters, Here's the alternative and here's the remedy to it. Just you seek first the kingdom of God. And that's the simple reality. It's easy to get caught up in the spiral of getting, striving, worrying about the things of time and sense. To fret and worry about what we don't have and, and to fear the loss of what we already have. There are many people like that today. There are many people that are blessed with an abundance and they spend all their time worrying, how am I going to keep it? Then there are others and they don't have and they spend all their time, how am I going to get it? So the devil knows how to ensnare us and he knows how to entrap us. But if you want to lead a, a, a life that has the blessing of God upon it, the advice of the Saviour is very pertinent to us today. Just you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and Jesus said, then all these things will be added unto you. So I think the Saviour's words have something to say to us all today, of substance. This is the secret behind every successful Christian life. It teaches us firstly about the position that we're to strive after. It's not an earthly position we're to strive after. We're to strive after a position in the kingdom 
of God's own dear son. You know, what are you more concerned about? This is a test of all of our priorities today. Which position do you aspire to most on the journey of life today? Here on earth or in the kingdom of God's own dear son. So this aspect of God's kingdom we have in view. It has reverence to those who are members of the kingdom of grace and glory. I think everyone in, in here today would be very proud of their nationality. Somebody asks you what nationality you are, you'd be quick to say, I'm this nationality or that nationality, and you'd know what to say. But here's a, a, a kingdom that doesn't exist in a nation, but exists amongst the nations, because it exists in the hearts and lives of all, of all, from all nations from all kindred, small backgrounds, in whom the Lord Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. So in order to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom, you have to enter into it. You have to enter into it. Even when you come into this land, it never ceases to amaze me. If you come in legally into this land, there are all types of border checks. If you come in illegally, you just walk across the border. There's no checks whatsoever. Well, if you come into Heathrow, some of those major airports, they want to see your passport. They want to take your photograph. There are certain procedures that you have to do in order to enter into this particular kingdom of which we are national citizens. And so if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, there are certain procedures. By our sinful natures, we're born outside of the kingdom. We're not born in the kingdom. We're born outside of the kingdom. We are born children of wrath. We're born under the judgment of God. That's what that actually means. We're born with the judgment of God sitting upon us. We're born children of disobedience. You do not have to teach any child how to disobey. Isn't that a strange thing? We have to be taught how to obey, but we all know how to disobey. We're born slaves. In that kingdom, we, we sang that lovely opening paraphrase that the Lord Jesus, he came to break those chains. If Jesus hadn't have come, we would have remained bond slaves in Satan's kingdom right to the end of eternity itself. But Jesus came, and because he came, he broke the bars that held us in the kingdom of Satan and in the kingdom uh, of, of darkness. So to enter into this kingdom, you have to experience something. You have to experience the new birth. It's as simple as what the Lord Jesus put it in John 3 and verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's nice from time to time to hear testimony. And it's nice to hear the testimony of our brother today. And to hear of those influences in his life when he was little. And that's an encouragement to all of the parents here today. Never despise those times you spent with your, your children and you spend with your children when they're young and when they're little. Because God's planting a seed. God's doing a work in their young hearts and in their young lives. But there's some here today and you're no longer little and you're growing up and advanced on the journey of life and you're still not born again. And you're not in the kingdom. You're in this kingdom nationally, but you're not in God's kingdom spiritually. 
Well, I'm glad today all that's necessary for you to enter in, he has finished it. He has finished it. You don't have to do to get in. He finished all that needed to be done. He came. We were, we're looking at in the class just earlier on this morning at Christ's passive and his active obedience. There's a wonderful subject. The righteousness of Christ. His active obedience. He came. And in coming he fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law of God. He lived the life you and I could never live. He lived the life the first Adam failed to live. He lived a perfect life. That was his active obedience. But his passive obedience was when the wrath of God was poured out upon him on the cross of Calvary. And he suffered there on that middle tree in our guilty room and in our guilty state. He lived, he died, he rose again. All for you and me. So that we might enter into his kingdom. And we looked at that lovely catechism again today. What is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it is just receiving and resting upon him. Have you received him? Are you resting upon him? Because as many as received him, to them give he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. To them he gave the right, the privilege. That's the adoption certificate. When you believe when you receive and rest on him. You don't have to stand on the outside. That's the good news of the gospel today. There's this barrier to come into this kingdom. You have to go through the customs. You have to go through all the procedures. But the Lord Jesus has opened up the way for you to enter into his kingdom. All you have to do is receive and rest on him for salvation. Once in the kingdom, of course, then you have to submit to the laws of it. You just can't come into. There are people that go to different nations and they just want to do as they do in their own nation. You know, regardless of what we might think of laws in different lands, when you go to those lands, you have to obey by those, you have to abide by those laws. And the kingdom of God is one of righteousness. The citizens of the kingdom of heaven and holiness go together. Could I underscore that again today? Justification is just the act of a moment. But sanctification is the work of a lifetime. This is God working in our life, conforming us, making us more and more like his own, uh, his own dear son. If you want a happy home, make it a holy home. Romans fourteen seventeen reminds us the kingdom of God does not meet and drink. That's all the rules. That's all the regulations. You can never regulate someone to be a Christian. And I think many parents make that mistake. You cannot force rules on your children to make them to be Christians. You can confine them. You can constrain them for a certain number of years. But after that, you and I, we can't do anything else. No amount of regulation will make someone to be a born-again believer. The Bible says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's a wonderful expression. Joy in the Holy Ghost. You said to some reformed people today, they would look at you. They would say, have, have you imbibed the charismatic spirit? But there is a joy in the Holy Ghost. There's a joy in knowing Christ. There's a joy in knowing sins forgiven. There's a joy uh, in righteousness and in peace with God. The joy of the Holy Ghost. Those that are in the kingdom, <clears throat> they'll want to spread its borders. 
They'll want to spread its influence. We're to do all that is within our power to have Christ recognized as Lord in the hearts and lives of others. We want to introduce the King. We want to introduce the King. We want to speak about the King. A few months ago, we, we mourned the death of the Queen. And we all spoke so freely, so openly, so passionately, so emotionally, even about the death of the Queen. Someone that we've known all of our lives, really, as the figurehead of our nation. But what about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? If you know him, are you talking about him? Are you introducing others to him? We're glad to have our two brethren in the Whitfield today with us in analog. But you know, sometimes I think we make the mistake. It's only these men and young women that go into the Whitfield that extend the borders of Christ's kingdom. No, that's your job and my job locally here in Analog. To extend the borders of the influence of Christ in hearts and in lives. There is no position on earth more blessed than being a citizen in the kingdom of Christ. Notice secondly the priority which is to be given to it. Verse 33 just simply says seek first. Seek first. Oh the Lord's testing our priorities here. The stress and the emphasis is laid on the action that is involved. Uh, and the, the verb that's used here is a very interesting one. It's persevering, strenuous effort to obtain the kingdom of Christ that is spoken of. It's not something that's half-hearted. It's not something that's a one-off. It is something that I persevere in, that I continue to do, that I continue to strive to do. The world that searches for happiness with, with great zeal. Uh, and people will persevere at it. I always admire, I have to say because it's a reflection of my own, uh, I suppose, inability People who go out and they're going to they're going to do the five k, for example, from the couch to the five k, and they persevere on it, and they they just keep at it. They they won't give up on it. Or there are other people maybe go the full marathon and they're out running the roads in round and along in the middle of winter with their vests on them and with their with their, their skins on them, and they're going to do. I admire people like that. But would that you and I who know and love the Lord could persevere in similar manner. We're to seek first. We're to seek the kingdom of God with all our heart. That does not mean, as we've said in weeks gone by, that domestic duties are neglected. Seeking first the kingdom of God doesn't mean that I come out to meetings and I skip things that I must do at home. It doesn't mean that at all. Coming out to meetings means that I don't neglect my family. It doesn't mean not at all, but it's prioritizing what we must do on the journey of life. I think next week is going to be a test on the priorities of many. Do we worship on the Lord's day as we normally do? Do we come to the worship of Almighty God on Christmas day? Or do we close the church down and say, just all go home and have a holiday? You know, it's really surprised me and grieved me to see evangelical churches do that. And it shows us, brethren and sisters, where our priorities are. 
And that priority of the worship of God is pretty low down the bottom rung. God's going to test your priorities next week. The, the word first lays great stress on our time of being involved. Before we seek anything else, seek God first. So that's why we come to church on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, the Christian uh, Sabbath. We, we give God first place on the Sabbath day. And it's lovely to see so many in God's house on the first day of the week. And you're, you're giving the Lord first place and you're fulfilling this great verse here in Matthew 6 and 33. You're seeking first by being in his house on the first day of the week. Commencing each day by giving him those first moments. Start each venture by seeking him first. How many people, they start a venture, maybe it's a new business venture. Maybe they're going to do something. And maybe just, you know, you have that day, what they call, on the spur of the moment buying. And you go in and buy something. And then you think up ahead, oh, I should have thought about that. I should have prayed about that. It's always best to seek first God's guidance. We're, we're just been taught here about priorities. If it's a choice between God and mammon, then what's the, what's, what's the options? There's only one option. If riches and righteous don't go together, leave the riches but go on with the righteousness. Can I say that again? If riches and righteousness do not go together, it's best to leave the riches than to forget about the righteousness. And over the years I've saw many people and they've left the righteousness and they've went on with the riches and they've found that riches corrupt and corrode and they leave them. But you'll take righteousness to the grave and righteousness will take you to glory. Seek first. Maybe there's some Christian here today and you need to reprioritize your life. In fact, we all need to reprioritize our lives. It's easy to allow external demands to come in and to distort our priorities, but we're to seek first. Whatever you do this week, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Thirdly, notice the promise that goes with it. All these things, verse 33, the latter part shall be added unto you. This is an assurance to us today, as I emphasized last week, in days of uncertainty. If we're careful to attend unto the affairs of God's kingdom, has God not promised us that we'll not lack anything on the journey of life? Anything that's necessary, all the needs, as I said last week, not the greeds, all the needs, he's pledged himself, I'll supply them, I'll give them to you. I remember reading about the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. She wanted a rich banker to go abroad on, on matters of, of state. And he pleaded with her, oh, when I'm away, my business is going to suffer loss. What, what will I do? And the queen replied, sir, if you will mind my business abroad, I'll look after your business at home. And can we not trust the word of a greater sovereign than Queen Elizabeth I? Can we not trust God to look after our business here on earth as we seek his business and eternity to come? 
When God's doing the leading, he's promised to meet all the needs of the journey. None of us, I, I always, I've said this before to you many times, <clears throat> I always fear that I'll fall short. I always fear that I'll fall short. But no pilgrim will ever fall short for lack of heaven's supplies. We can be assured of that. There used to be an elder in my first church and he used to quote this verse to me so, so many times. Psalm 84 verse 11. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. And here was a man who lost his business. He actually went bankrupt. He lost his business. But he stayed the course with God. And he said, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. If God took away his business, he didn't take away everything else from him. He still had his salvation. He still had his life. He still had his joy. He still had his, his communion with God and assurance of home in heaven yet to come. God's not only promised to meet our needs, but even to give beyond our expectations. Sometimes we, 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 we paint God as, as mean. He, he certainly just gives the minimum. But God doesn't just give the minimum. The, the, the phrase the Savior added, added on to you. Added on. Now that would have a deeper, would have had a deeper impact with Eastern congregations than, than you and I here because it was a reference to the practice of throwing an extra piece, an extra measure once the deal had been completed. So you buy 10 kilograms of whatever. So when the deal is completed, you get half a kilogram extra. That extra piece. So the Lord not only gives you your need, but he adds on what you need thereafter. That's the bonus. Oh, how we bless God today. The Lord has not only met our need, hasn't he? We've had many bonuses along the way. We've had the extra measure. And there's not one family I know in this congregation today that has not had the extra measure. The Lord has not only met the need, but he has added on. He has added on. And that's what he's promised to do. There's a, a, a closing thought here, verse 34, very quickly. The patience that we need. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. So that's on, on due. It doesn't mean you don't have to think about it, but it's on due, anxious care. That's what it means. Is anxiety. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Take therefore no anxious care about tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Here, here's a wonderful example of personification. So the morrow here is personified, as, a, as if it's a person. And tomorrow is talking to you today. And what is tomorrow saying? Tomorrow says, I look after myself, you just look after today. And that's what Jesus is saying to us all. Through this wonderful figure of speech. Don't go to Monday. Tomorrow is saying, I look after myself. Jesus is saying, just you look after today. We learn here that thoughtlessness or, or thoughtfulness and anxious care about tomorrow. It's all, it's all so needless, brethren and sisters, because God gives us compassions new every morning. Every morning we wake up, we have a whole new bunch of blessings that God's going to be
bestowing upon us. I love those verses in Lamentations 3, and we've often referred to them, that it's of the Lord's mercies that were consumed, that were not consumed because his compassions fail not. They didn't fail yesterday. They'll not fail today. They'll not fail tomorrow. Verse 23 reminds us, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. When the Israelites went out to gather the manna, they had to go out every morning, bar one, and there they had fresh bread brought to their doorstep every day. Now they had to go out to gather it. And they had to then bring it in and grind it and make it. You know, God has designed us that we work for the blessings that he bestows upon us. The man used to say to me years ago, he said he just thought so often times how the Lord feeds the little birds, but they have to go out and catch the worms. Oh, how great is God's faithfulness. But those Israelites of old, they were being taught not to have anxious thought about the morrow. They would have to duly prepare for it. They would have to work for it. But God says, I'll provide for it. Matthew Henry, as usual, best summarizes it all. He says, the meaning is, let us mind present duty and leave events to God. Do the work of the day in its day and then let the morrow bring its work along with it. Don't be taking anxious care into tomorrow. Jesus said, tomorrow I look after myself. You just do the work of today. In patient perseverance and prayer, face today. That's all you're asked to do. And whatever troubles come your way, you and I can be assured they don't come out of God's providential care. We've all met those situations where we think, why, Lord? Why? Day by day, we know that all of those arrangements are in his good providence toward us. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I, I grew to love a little Christian song, and it has grown with me day by day and with each passing moment. The last verse of it goes like this. I think it's a summary of what Jesus is saying here in verse 34. Help me then in every tribulation, so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take us from a father's hand, one by one the days, the moments fleeting, till with Christ the Lord I stand. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials, Lord. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. What do you do with anxious care? You live just each day, one day at a time. Listen to what Jesus said about tomorrow. The morrow is speaking to you as it is to me. The morrow says, I look after myself. You just look after today. And Jesus says, today, I look after you because my compassions they fail not. They're new every morning. 
Amen. May the Lord bless us, even as we come to this closing section of the Sermon on the Mount, and help us not only to hear it, but to...